Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody, how you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, another another week of, of COVID under our belts, uh, trying to figure out now whether school's going to happen in another month for us here on the in the Northeast. But an uneventful week, kind of quiet. Um, I did do something cool this week. I took off the next four Fridays. Um, I figured I need a little time, so I have Look a few. Look at you living large. Yeah, yeah. I took uh, the next three Fridays off, and then the fourth week, the last week of August, I'm taking off the full week. Um, so, And we'll figure out whether we're going to do a staycation, if we're going to try to do a little trip. But I'm already very excited about the... Uh, light at the end of the tunnel next week where I get to have like a four-day work week. Just as long as it's not an oncoming train. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and we've talked about this in terms of work-life balance, and maybe we have to touch upon that in one of the podcasts. For me, I've been more busy than ever before, Um, and, you know, not to go into particulars, but it's been super busy. Um, You know, typically during the week, and they're empty now, but my whiteboards are full of to-do lists and I have a glass top desk, so I write on top of the desk with a sharpie, with a with an expo marker. I'm writing on the whiteboards. Um, it's just crazy. So, how was your week, Jody? Your office sounds like a graffiti studio. That sounds awesome. Well, I always call it um, <laughs> a, a, that movie, A Beautiful Mind. You know, when he's writing yeah, on everything. Yeah, yeah. That's how the top of my desk looks during the day because I'm scribbling, and then I have a little uh, expo marker and, and a dry erase marker, and I just, I just scrape it off right just to, just just erase it off so but yeah, how was your so week funny. i'm i'm so ocd that that would drive me absolutely nuts <laughs> i need to have everything right in its place and everything clean and everything you know i can i can deal with a little dirt but i mean it's just there's uh, there's order to my universe otherwise everybody's good you know trying to be outside as much as we can trying to keep us cool as we can i don't know here on long island it's been brutally hot brutally like 90 plus almost every day um but, uh, you know, we're, we're cooking through summer. We'll see what comes next. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, one last note. So pulling out of our driveway yesterday, got to the stop sign. My son was driving because, of course, he has his permit. His, uh, and the neighbor came around the turn, and I could see the look on his face <laughs> when he saw my son in the uh, driver's uh, seat. Uh, it was pretty funny. It was, but he's doing well. He's doing well with the driving. So That's good. But uh, in any event, uh, we'll kick off here. Uh, today's guest is Greg uh, Rotersheimer, host of the Suburban Folk Podcast. He's a financial independence advocate and a hardworking dad. Greg has done something we're all focused on. He's already set himself up for retirement in his 30s. Uh, so we're going to talk to him and, and hear about his insights and his learnings and hopefully some of his mistakes so we can learn because that's what the show is all about. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, the first news story is from Forbes, uh, five ways to set up retiring in your 30s. So it's very timely for our guest this week. Um, and we're focused on working out the numbers, uh, be low maintenance, uh, take bigger risks, uh, start earlier, uh, choose your company, which I thought was very interesting. So these are some of the highlights within the article. Uh, for me, the takeaway was lots of planning, and, and the early start, boy, I wish I did. Um, and good company, I thought that was an interesting concept, right? So I guess it's, you know, if you're if you're with a bunch of people who are not financially savvy, chances are you might 
through osmosis or through influence become less financially savvy. So they do talk about keeping good company, and I think I'm in good shape because I have you, Jody. Um, but what was your take on this story? Well, I'm not so sure about that last. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's true, you know. Like if you if all your friends are hanging out and everybody goes out you know, partying every weekend, or they like to spend a lot of money in big expensive restaurants, or they like to collect some big expensive thing. If that's, if that's the people you're running with, you're going to develop those habits as well. Um, and if that gets in the way of you becoming financially independent, or if that gets in the way of you just sticking to your budget, um, then you're going to have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great article from Forbes. Um, I, I think what the, my overall takeaway from this was that you've got to get a plan you got to stick to it. Paul, we talk about this every week. you got to write down your budget. I was just uh, turbocharging my budget on my, on my spreadsheet yesterday, sort of making some there – were, there were some changes and some, some things that I was moving around, and I'm always trying to tweak it to get just – you know, squeeze another dollar out, squeeze another 10 bucks out. Um, get a plan, stick to it, make everyone in the household agree to it. Um, also, an interesting point in this article – talked about when you're young, take risks. And we mentioned this real quick, Paul, in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in your 20s, um, the, the inclination might, to, might be to, you know, get out of college and get a job, right? Start earning some money, which is a great inclination. Um, but don't, I, I would say, try to not just earn some money. I would say, if there's that thing you want to go for in your life, that's the time to go for it. You have the least amount of things in your life to pay for when you're in your 20s. Now, it may not feel like it, um, but it actually is because when you add in, and Greg's going to talk about this later too, all of us together as dads, you know, when you add in house and family and kids and daycare and school, and uh, the stuff gets a lot more expensive and there's a lot less money to go around. Um, so when you're younger, take those risks. Go for it. Um, but also create that budget and stick to it. Stick to that plan that you want to put together. Very cool. Very cool. Um, the second story uh, is from the Joplin Globe. And I think it's one of those uh, stories that's kind of on a bunch of different websites. It's from Dave Ramsey. The title is Dave Ramsey, Go All In to Pay Off Debt. And we've talked about this, Jody, in many of our podcasts. There's a common theme here where we don't like debt. And that's why I can't wait to talk to Greg. I know he is a Dave Ramsey follower and also teaches uh, the class, I believe. So we'll, we'll go into that with him. So I can't wait to hear more about the inside track of, of, of the Dave Ramsey world. I've been kind of observer from the outside, as I've said in the past. I have a few of his books. I listen to his podcast a lot. Um, and, and so for me, um, he was the first and only financial advisor I found that endorsed paying off your mortgage which was amazing to me. A lot of the financial advisors out there don't do that. So when I saw this article, I thought it was also timely and in line with what we're going to talk about with Greg this week. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this article? Yeah, this is all about the debt snowball. And for those of you unfamiliar, um, that the debt snowball is lining up your debts smallest to largest in terms of the amount you owe, and then paying off the smallest one first and walking your way up the ladder. Uh, the idea being, and this comes out in the article, is that that's a psychology, not a math approach, right? And the math approach might be to pay off the biggest one first or the one with the highest interest rate first. But just like being on a diet, you know, if, if you say, 
you know, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the first week. Nobody's going to lose 30 pounds in the first week and you're probably going to quit, right? Same with paying off a debt. If you say, I'm going to pay off the $30,000 that I owe on that, you know, loan first, it's going to take you years to do that. But if you pay off that 1200 bucks on that credit card first, that could take you a few weeks um, or maybe a couple of months. Um, the idea being tap into the psychology of success um, and, and score those little victories first. Um, what that also does then in terms of a snowball, and if you've ever rolled a snowball downhill, you know how it, it picks up more snow as it goes, right? So if you pay off the, first, the smallest one first, then you're not paying to that one. You take the money you were paying to that one and you apply it to the second one. Now you've got a little more money that you can put on that debt. And then you pay off that one. You, then you pull the money you were paying to that one. You put it to the next one. Now you've got a little bit more money and that, that money snowball starts to grow and you start whacking on all this debt. Um, they say it right in this article. Personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% knowledge. You've got to condition yourself to to create a budget stick to the budget pay off the debt and get to the place where you want to get very cool very cool and i think just just to kind of recap that um one of the mistakes i've made and i've talked about this in the past is i wish i had done this earlier so i think that's the story of my life i would have should have could have but it really is true i think when it came to paying off some of these debts um i was a little bit uh, in a procrastination mode and wish I had just ripped the band-aid off and started paying sooner rather than later. So that if, if that's one of the mistakes uh, I'd like to uh, point out to everybody is um, if you can start earlier, right? Especially with paying off debt. So absolutely. I guess with that, uh, and I'm sure our guest is probably listening to this in the virtual green room nowadays, right? Thinking, wow, I want to jump in on this conversation. Uh, we're going to bring in our guest, Greg uh, Rotersheimer. Uh, host of the Suburban Folk Podcast. So, Greg, welcome to Financial Dads. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me, and you're right. I'm amped and ready to start to, uh, putting in my two cents on the conversations. Really happy to join the show, uh, and thanks for, for letting me jump on. So, yep, my name is Greg Rotersheimer. I am the host of the Suburban Folk Podcast. We talk about personal finance as one of our primary topics, but I also wanted to get into parenting, home improvement, travel, which technically isn't a requirement if you live in suburbia, but I just love it as a topic, and then health. So we bring in subject matter experts in these different areas so that I can learn more and that the audience can learn more. Originally, I was going to do just parenting as the topic because I am a relatively new parent, or I certainly was when I first started thinking about creating a podcast. And for anybody that gets into that world, there's always things that you can learn as far as bringing up your kids and <laughs> better ways to do things. No parent is perfect for sure. Uh, but I couldn't help myself, especially in the world of finance, to jump in headfirst and talk about what some of my experiences have been. And frankly, I started to realize that when it comes to saving, investing, I can throw my hat in the ring and dare I say, say I'm somewhat of a, an expert and offer what my experiences has been. So I've really been focusing on that. Very cool. And all the things you talked about, the travel, the parenting, all these pieces, they all have financial ties. Um, and I think that's the interesting part is they, they that's the underlying theme is you really do have to have financial discipline 
in order to, um, to to be focused on those different topics that you that you cited. I guess, Greg, tell us a little bit about being a dad. I know you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Uh, you're a little bit behind Jody and I, which is not a bad thing. Um, I have a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old. Uh, but tell us a little bit about being a dad and how that's motivated you um, on your path in terms of uh, Dave Ramsey and retire early and some of these other themes that you have going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're correct. I have a three and a five-year-old. My oldest uh, is a boy. Youngest is a girl. I've always expected to be a dad. And once the moment finally came, it's been everything that I was hoping. But of course, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's definitely got its moments. My main theme that I tell myself being a parent, especially a new parent, is to live in the moment. And discipline is definitely a word that I use as well with health and with finances, as well as with parenting. So the combination of discipline and living in the moment, when you're changing diapers, I I have a tendency and others probably do to say, oh man, I can't wait until they're potty trained and I can be done with this. Or maybe there's a night where you just don't want to go through the full bedtime routine and you think, wow, once they can take a shower on their own, this will make things so much easier. But I try to continually remind myself and take advice from those dads that are a little further ahead than me that you're going to miss that time and you're going to miss those years. So don't just get impatient and keep thinking about the next step and the next step. Take all of the good things and weather the things that might seem a little bit tedious. So that's the method that I have. Very cool. Very cool. So I guess tell us a little bit. We're going to jump around a little bit, Greg. Uh, tell us a little bit about the world of Dave Ramsey. Like I said, I, I'd love to hear more about uh, how you're looking to do this from a coaching perspective and um, and, and what took you down that path and, and where do you stand today with it? Yeah, probably the best place to start really is with the podcast. As I mentioned, I purposefully encapsulated more topics than just finance. Frankly, also from the standpoint of I was afraid maybe I would become boring and not have enough to talk about. And it was probably about two to three months ago now I was doing some podcast seminars. And a lot of it was geared towards having a service that you offer on your own above and beyond a podcast show. And I was thinking, well, I don't know that I necessarily have that. So I started to do some more research, just like what you guys have mentioned I've listened to Dave Ramsey quite a bit over the years and used it really as a way to check my own finances to make sure that I was doing everything that I could to be saving appropriately and doing everything like that. So as I did some research of what kinds of services I could offer, his financial coaching masterclass happened to be something that came up. And I think that all of his philosophies are sound. Even the offering of the coaching and training is very upfront. I like the fact that the couple people that I talked to said, hey, we'd be doing a disservice if you can't afford this, for example, right now. So you need to be at a certain step of your finances. For example, there was a group call even where people were saying they were working on their debt snowball. And they said, well, if you think you're going to do this as a side hustle where you think you're going to make money, maybe as an investment, if you're planning on doing it as a ministry, don't do it because you need to keep working on your debt. So 
I, I like that consistency, and I think that's something that you can certainly say for Dave Ramsey is there is definitely a consistency in the message, and that's what you need to go along with the discipline. So I went ahead and did do the program. As a, another aside, going into the side hustles, um, I do have a small consulting business where I do some data and analytics for a few companies, and I was able to use some of those funds to do the training. So <laughs> that's kind of like house money for me. So it took a little bit even more of the edge off <laughs> as far as the investment is concerned. Again, I only mentioned that to say that I practice what I preach. Um, and then from there, what the program is, is make sure you understand the real emergency situations people could be facing like bankruptcy, like foreclosure, and doing the research to get them to the right resources and to understand their options. Said in another way, really, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, the situations that callers have when they call into the show. But I think for anybody that listens to those scenarios, of course, he doesn't have time to get into every single detail that a person has. And just like a personal trainer for health, you sometimes need a little more guidance along the way to really set you on the right path to be able to get done what you need to get done. So the program is what you would expect. Again, if you are familiar with Dave Ramsey, first step is to have a budget, have it written down so that you know where you currently stand so that you can then work together to see if there's an income problem. Do you need to make more money? Uh, and then, of course, on the budgeting side of the money that's going out, are there things that you're spending money on that you shouldn't be? Are you confusing your wants with needs and doing all of that process, figuring out where your priorities lie, what you're trying to gain, and then walking somebody through that. And I think another very important distinction with financial coach compared to financial advisor is where the coach ends is you can do the budgeting. You can even talk about, for example, how much from a percentage standpoint you should invest for retirement or saving for college. But when you get up to that point of how to invest, i.e., allocation in the stock market or things like that, a financial coach would stop there. You can refer people to financial advisors that are licensed to then sell equities and do other advising like that. But a coach would not do that. And for me personally, that's really where I want to be. I want to get people a good foundation. And frankly, for example, I certainly would not want to have been a financial advisor in March when the markets are going nuts. And I know I was calling my advisor, gosh, at least every couple of days. <laughs> and I'm assuming a lot of other people were as well. So for me, that's frankly an extra added amount of stress that I'm just not that interested in. Great stories. And uh, Paul and I have talked uh, in past podcasts about sort of there was a moment where we realized that we did not have our financial act together in the way that we either wanted to or felt we need to needed to. Uh, you know, when I've told the story about when when our first child was born, when our son was born, I took a look at all the all the, the bills that we had to pay and, and the budget and everything. And I said, whoa, um, so sat down and actually plotted out a budget and my budget is week to week to week. I have an entire year planned out on a spreadsheet that would make your eyes cross. Was there a moment where you realized you needed a, a written budget, however detailed and planned out that is? And when you give advice to people on creating that first budget, what do you urge that they focus on? 
the moment for me, believe it or not, was sometime within listening to Dave Ramsey examples, and I fall into that category for a number of years of I don't need a budget because actually it's going to present to me more money than I think I have to be able to spend. So I end up saving more money by not having a budget. And the counterpoint to that is, well, okay, but when you think of it from a stress standpoint, if you are a naturally aggressive saver like me, that means you still have stress of the unknown. Yeah, you may still come out with even more savings than you would have otherwise, but there's still something about being able to rely upon the written plan that relieves stress. So again, for somebody like me on the other end where I don't want to spend money on clothes, let's say, because I don't really know how much I could have allocated and that I'm still hitting the rest of my savings goals, it does take the edge off from that standpoint. And honestly, that's really only been in the last year or so. Now, again, it's worked out for me. And as we talk a little bit about my road to financial independence, it's been great that I've been able to be a huge, huge saver. But um, it, it is something that should be recognized for folks. And as far as for people first putting their budget together, really it's about understanding tedious process. And it's not going to be perfect the first time. That's the other thing that people really need to keep in mind. It's going through the process. For example, I know it's a pain going back to, let's say, your car insurance policy and breaking down how much it costs per month when maybe you're paying quarterly or you have it on auto pay and you have to dig back through your bank account statement to figure out how much it is. But it's a worthy and necessary activity to make sure you really know where the money is going. And just like anything, once you've worked out the best shot at it for month one, month two, you're going to be able to build off of what you did with your budget in month one, and you're going to get a little bit better. And you're going to be able to figure out what else may have been invariable in your budget that you didn't account for. And the goal with financial coaching is roughly around that 90 day mark. The person is able to have a fairly reliable budget. They work through most of the kinks and then that way you know what you have month over month to keep that system going. So again, that's what I would say the first thing out of the gate for people to remember is, is yes, it's tedious. It's supposed to be tedious, <laughs> but it gets easier. Just like anything, the more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. That is a great piece of advice of that 90 day window, giving yourself, you know, three months to work on this budget and to work it out uh, and to not give up before that 90 days is up. I think that's critical and it's a really nice approach. Yeah. And I like the part about the iteration. Uh, so, so Greg, did you find you had to iterate a lot in those first 90 days? So I'm, I'm guessing your first 30 day budget was not so great. And then by the 90th day, it was, it was definitely incrementally better. What did you find some of the mistakes you were making in those first 30 days? Really the biggest pain for me was in digging through the credit card allocations. Mm. Now there is something that certainly I do deviate from the Dave Ramsey method. Again, for people that are familiar with what he preaches, he says, once you're out of credit card debt, you cut them up, 
you use your debit cards at, if you still need to use plastic. And of course, he also even advocates for paying cash to the point you guys were making when introducing Dave Ramsey about the psychology, and I think is definitely true, the physical pain, not like bleeding physical pain, but that gut feel that you have when you hand over physical cash as compared to swiping a credit card has been shown to cause you to pay less money. Um, so I've not quite gone to that level for my own. However, I will say I have never in my life had a credit card bill in my hand that I did not have the cash in my bank account to be able to pay. So I've never paid one amount of interest or penalties on any credit cards. So from a client standpoint, if you've had any kind of credit card debt, I would definitely say you need to stick with the Dave Ramsey model there. And that is absolutely what I would advise you to do if you were working with me. For myself, uh, not really having that issue, uh, that was what became tedious. And of course, that's the other argument with the credit cards is you then have to peel back into those credit cards to see what all what all has been variable from the grocery bills from month over month. That, believe it or not, was one of the big ones for us. We tend to go back and forth between being very diligent with healthy options and not so healthy options. Mm depending on convenience. <laughs> uh, and that seemed to be one of our themes right when I was really, really bearing down. Again, even for kids, right? Like you tend to get, or, or you tend to feel guilty when you hear about people that have the time to make their own baby food or other organics and things like that. So we tried for a little amount of time and that can be a little bit more expensive as compared to buying what's in the store and so on. So, uh, so that was the main one for me. And by the third month, it did start to work itself out, at least that uh, we knew about what we were spending on a somewhat sliding scale. Because again, with small children, it seems like the amount they eat changes maybe more rapidly than when they get older. Uh, but um, having a system for making sure that I had those payments listed and then could be easily transferred over to the budget so that I knew what we had month over month. And again, just trying to be as diligent as we could <laughs> with our healthy eating. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, these are all themes that Jody and I, and I think we're all on the same page with. Um, my my approach to budgeting, and we've talked about this before, Jody is at the micro level. I'm at the macro level. Um, I do a lot of accruals. So based on, you know, if I have a big payment once a year, I spread that out in my finances over the 12 months, et cetera. So I could do, admittedly, a better job at being more of a micro budgeter. But as we've talked about in the podcast in the past, personal finance is very personal. So we've We've been able to uh, be somewhat – I think I've been successful in the way I budget. Uh, yourself and Jody have your way of doing it, which works well for you and, and your family. So I think you know the, the key here is to, to make sure you're doing what's, what's – I don't want to say the word comfortable, but whatever works well for you and your family to get you to that goal. And, and kind of speaking of goals, one of the things I wanted to – definitely touch upon in the podcast was your current plan to retire early because I guess all these budgets all the side hustles you're very carefully and strategically planning out your life uh, in terms of where you want to be in five years 10 years 15 years and I find that fascinating I think too many of us including myself um, don't have that life plan I have a financial plan but not necessarily a life plan and I think that's what I want to hear more about 
from you. Tell us a little bit more about your current plan to quote unquote retire early and, and what is your definition of retirement? Sure. So maybe the best place to start is acknowledging the fact that my dad retired at the age of 52. And if I can brag about him a little bit, absolutely, because this is the example that I had to start on. He was a longtime employee of AT&T. And basically every single time AT&T split into straight business or uh, what they were doing with wireless and so on, he ended up going with the new iteration of the company. And long story short, he was able to bridge his years of service to each one of these iterations and actually ended up retiring with a pension from two separate iterations. So he was he managed to sort of really work the corporate system that was in front of him. Now, obviously, the concept of a pension is pretty rare at this point and certainly nothing that I've had available, but at least I got to see an example of how he was able to take those retirement vehicles and really use it to his advantage. And he was very specific in his goals that he wanted to be able to travel. He wanted to be able to enjoy grandchildren at his leisure and at an age where his health wasn't going to be an issue and anything like that. And he really hasn't looked back. I mean, he's gosh, 15 plus years <laughs> into retirement. And I don't think he's mentioned once that he's really itching to get back into the corporate <laughs> world or anything. <laughs> so, so that was sort of my first benchmark was okay. Early fifties with not really much else going on into it. Um, and as far as the side hustles and stuff was concerned, I, a lot of that has really just been in my blood ever since I can remember. A couple examples from college. Here's one of my favorite. I was unable to get a summer job from my sophomore to junior year. So I stayed on campus at the school I went to just for fun. I did the public musical that was going on. And the next year, the guy that ran the music for that ended up being the uh, music director for the chamber singers at my college. Randomly ran into me in college uh, or on campus and said, hey, they gave me a couple of extra scholarships. You sing pretty good. Do you want one? And it was like three, $4,000 per year uh, that for me just branching out, doing things, hey, that's great. You know, that, that was some serious money for a college student to just have that added on as additional scholarship. So it taught me to get my hands on a lot of different things and also really the power of networking and, and you know, going out there and trying to do things. And the worst that can happen is that somebody says no. So I really took that into a lot of my side hustles into uh, postgraduate. I taught guitar lessons. I got my master's by having my company that I worked for basically paying for it. Here's hmm. another quick tip that my dad gave me was he said, I find that on your resume, the fact that you're going for a postgraduate degree has almost as much weight as the actual graduation of it. So my <laughs> Interesting. company, so my company capped the amount of reimbursement by year, but not by degree. So it made sense for me to just stretch it out to four years rather than the standard two. And I only ended up paying $10,000 over four years. So $2,500 a year. And of course I was able to pay for that right out of my own bank account. So no student debt or anything like that for my master's degree. Uh, so another just example of really looking for as many things as you possibly can to be as financially savvy as you can. When it all came into focus as far as 
financial independence and what I want to do, it really does come back to becoming a parent and that flexibility that I was mentioning. I think that there was a period where travel started to become an issue for me. And quite frankly, here's another great story that fits into my perspective. My youngest, she ended up being born early, I think about 36 weeks. I was in Chicago. Hmm. Uh, my, I had actually just started a new job and it was a guy I used to work for. So I said, Hey, I can start working for you, you for about a month. And then I have to be at home, of course, with my new baby. And he said, well, can you go visit the other offices and make introductions before that happens? Yep. I think we're good to go. Sure enough. I'm in Chicago. My wife calls me at 3 AM. Uh, I think I'm going into labor. <laughs> so oh, man. Yeah, uh, so I ended up, of course, getting on a flight as quickly as I possibly could. Uh, She was born at about 8.30, and I didn't get there until about 2 p.m. Now, I was able to sit in a little deserted corner of O'Hare and do FaceTime and all that, so I guess I have a little bit of experience for what our military folks Mm. go through uh, is concern, Uh, and I'm thankful for the technology we had, and of I joked and said, hey, let's be honest. The dad doesn't really do anything until after the baby's born anyway. So <laughs> it's not like there was there was too, too much that I was going to be able to do up to that point. But that's a very poignant story of looking ahead that I don't want to miss things when it comes to my kids. And I have plenty of stories of people um, traveling a bunch and working just crazy, crazy hours on things. And in my opinion, a lot of times self-inflicted. I don't know that they necessarily need to be doing all the travel that they're doing. Um, But that, I think, is really what started to set me off into that path. Also around that same time, I don't know if I mentioned, my wife is a physician. And for those that are not aware, med school debt is pretty massive. Again, going Mm. back to Dave Ramsey, if you ever hear anybody talk about six-figure student debt, the next – the next thing he asked them is, who's the doctor? And the worst, right. of course, is when somebody says nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> luckily who's for a us, social worker, though. <laughs> yeah, luckily for us, uh, she is a doctor, and uh, we really, really attacked that loan. It, I just say it this way. It was a six-figure debt, and that first number on that six figures was not a one. Let's just leave it at that. Wow. <laughs> uh, so right. we just really went after it as soon as she was done with residency. And once you get done with a debt like that, you look at mortgages in a different way because you basically just paid off a mortgage once you finish that up. And those other goals don't seem that insurmountable. And then finishing my story goes back to using my dad as an example. I mentioned travel. That's something that is a passion of mine. I want to be able to travel as much as I can while I am physically able to and Also, just, again, any flexibility that would come with that. And if I'm working a job where they limit my amount of PTO or there's other responsibilities that take me away from that, then I want to have the ability to pick up and move on to something else that makes more sense. And then the final part of your question, what does financial independence mean to me? I'm sure you're getting the picture that emphasis on independence. That's the main thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean – Uh, complete retirement that I'm going to go golf every day. And of course, for anybody that hears a lot of different retirement coaches, they'll say that actually is a recipe for declining health 
potentially because you've lost purpose and you don't feel useful. So I don't plan in any way to just golf all day <laughs> or, or whatever else cliche retirement thing you can think of. There are certainly projects like the podcast, uh, like the consulting that I do that I would continue to do and really follow those passions a little bit more. Admittedly out of school, I did some of the passion stuff in the form of the side hustles that I've talked about, but I've never really put it at the forefront of what I spend most of my day doing. So there'll be some focus on that in the next few years as well. Uh, Greg, those are, those are all great stories. And before we go any further, quick shout out to your wife for doing childbirth all by herself. I, granted, she's a doctor, but man, I tip my hat. <laughs> first of all, first of all, us guys have no clue. What right. that's, no clue. Even, even a tenth of what the ladies go through in childbirth. And on top of it, she did it all by herself. I mean, my hat is off. Yeah. Uh, let, let's all, let's all bow down for a moment Absolutely. Uh, for <laughs> yeah. doing it, for doing that by herself. The, Were you the, there for number two? <laughs> well, actually that was number two. So yeah, I was number two. I, I'm I, sorry. I was there okay. for number one. And the only uh, part that I played is when she called me and said she was pretty sure she was going into labor is I just started going through the Rolodex of who of our friends are we close enough to that I can call at a basically 3 a.m. <laughs> that would be right. willing to go get her. And yeah. luckily we did <laughs> get oh, somebody man. that was able oh, to drive her over. But yeah. it was quite the experience. Yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a similar story. Uh, well, I don't want to say similar. It's not similar to yours. Uh, but – my first child, I was working in New York City, and we're about maybe an hour and a half total commute by train and subway to to home. So I got the call like at 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock. I forget what time, but my wife said, I, I think I'm going into labor. I'm going to go to the hospital now, right? And I was like, wow. So I got outside of my building in Manhattan, lower Manhattan. And I looked around and I just instinctively jumped into a cab and I said, take me home. <laughs> and I gave him the address and it cost me like uh, $100 with tip at the time to get me back to our home so I could jump in my car and get to the hospital. And, and it was kind of funny because, um, you know, I kept thinking back, like, I don't want to be the cheap dad who, who skimped out and tried to take the subway to the train and then missed my kid's birth. Right. So and, and now I take that back. I think I went directly to the hospital because my wife was already there and we just used her car. So um, but that was my story. Nowhere near what your story was, uh, Greg. But but um, interesting enough, indeed, where you don't want to try to miss those moments. Yeah, Greg, I wanted to get into a little bit more about your podcast that you have uh, and some of the topics that you cover there. You know, we talk here about parenting and the financial implications of parenting and how finance plays such an important role there. But you cover some other topics in your podcast, things like health uh, and things like home improvement. Um, what, what are some of the things that some of the ways that you financially approach those topics, health and home improvement on your podcast? Sure. And one thing maybe to establish is at its core, Suburban Folk is a self-help podcast for any of the topics that I cover. And also, I try to make every topic as accessible as possible. Uh, of course, we know that finance can get as complicated as you want it to, <laughs> depending on how far down the rabbit hole you want to get with investments and 
all the, all of the different nuances that can go on. So it can get very intimidating, and I want to make sure that for any topic that they are accessible. And the key word, I think, for success in any of the topics, especially health, for example, is discipline. Whatever your goal happens to be, it is going to take multiple successful days of incremental improvement to get to that final goal. And you don't want to just be looking at that end result without understanding what some of those steps are, or you're going to get discouraged, or you're really just going to be lost. You're not really going to have a plan. So that's really what brings all of the topics together is to make sure that you don't get overwhelmed by just looking at the big picture. Uh, home improvement, yeah, we didn't talk that much about that yet, but it falls into that same category. I say I am definitely the type of person that sees the dollar signs of a particular project and think, okay, yeah, I can do that. Uh, one example, I remember redoing my kitchen in my first house, so it was ripping up linoleum, and sure enough, there was glue all over a former hardwood floor, and then like the asbestos glue that's like super hardcore on another layer of flooring and all this other. So after day one, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> and, <laughs> but you work through it. You seek advice where you need to and support where you need to. You keep the ultimate goal in mind, but again, don't get overwhelmed, figure out the next step, do that next thing. Uh, and eventually you will get to that final result. So that's, really what I think brings all of our themes together. Now, I'll also say originally with the podcast, I was going to use it as a way to have a project with friends and family uh, and just have maybe a rolling list of co-hosts of my network. But I had varying degrees of interest <laughs> from my friends and family. So after I brought on an expert, I actually was somebody that has done like 30 some odd Ironman triathlons. So I wanted her to talk about uh, what somebody could do if they were interested in becoming a triathlete and had a great time with that and also really responded to getting some expert advice. And, and that's really where the show has gone from there. So, um, so, so that, that really is overall how the show goes. And then I also like to acknowledge that if you're into personal finance and you like the way that I approach these things – then go to the website and you can see the health section or you can see the home improvement section and hit some of those topics. But you know what? If you're not interested in travel, well, I've set up the website in such a way that you can skip those episodes. So I, I recognize that all of the things that I cover may not be of interest to every single person. So if people do go to the website, it is set up in such a way that you can get to the topics that you're interested in and not be bogged down by the other things that you may not be. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I, th I think with that, we're going to jump into our summary recap. We always do this at the end of our podcast, kind of what we've taken away from today. And for me, I'm going to jump to the beginning of the podcast, Greg. And you said something that was incredibly insightful that I jotted down and I have to take this with me. And I can't wait to listen back to this podcast early next week. And it's around living in the moment. I think the way you articulated it uh, for me, I think that was my biggest takeaway today was was listening. And there's other takeaways, of course, but I think the biggest one for me was living in the moment. I think I could 
do a better job of doing that myself. And some of the things you mentioned, um, I, I took to heart. So thank you for, for bringing those to the forefront. And that's what I love about the podcast and, and having guests like yourself. And, and by the way, you've been a wonderful guest. Really thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. I keep learning from others. And that's what I love about the podcast is it gives me an opportunity to listen and hear from others. So I'm really appreciative of that. So thank you. Uh, Jody, what were your takeaways from today? Yeah, I think what I'm going to take away from from all Greg's terrific stories here is that life is going to throw so much at you. Um, and Greg, uh, your story about being away when one of your children was born and having to come back from another city, uh, you know, in, in a rush. Uh, nobody can predict that, right? Um, so you need to plan what you can so you can be ready for the things that you can't possibly predict. Uh, and, and I think if you approach your life and your financial life that way, you know, plan what you know for what you know is coming so that when the unpredictable comes along, you can weather that storm all the better. Um, Greg, what are your takeaways from today? And also let it, let everybody know how they can find you online. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'll latch on to around the daycare part of it and, and moving on to the next thing, I can absolutely relate to that same uh, relief of getting to the end of that. And also, again, the preparedness. Um, we are going through the exact same things that you guys are here in Virginia about whether or not school will be virtual or not. And while I had the date of having one daycare cost gone, we have had the means to look at private schools because my oldest is a kindergartner and I'm not sure that he would get much out of virtual. And so the private schools have a little more flexibility there. The reason I tell that story, again, is from a flexibility standpoint and that uh, the purpose of being savvy with wealth is so that you can do what's right for your family and have that independence. So uh, I, I'm right there with you guys as far as that daycare and having that that red line circled. But uh, I've also been able to pivot a little bit, which I'm very grateful for. And yeah, if folks want to get a hold of me or check out the show, just look up Suburban Folk on any podcast application and it'll pop right up to listen to the newest episodes. And hey, go ahead and subscribe. That is uh, what really helps me out. And if you would like to get in touch with me from a Dave Ramsey financial coaching perspective, you can email me at greg at suburbanfolk.com. That's just greg, G-R-E-G, -E at suburbanfolk.com. And then, of course, the website is suburbanfolk.com. I'm also on all of the social networks as well, uh, at suburbanfolk. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. And if you still can't find me, I will make sure that uh, Paul and Jody know where I'm at. So <laughs> uh, you can ask them and they can point you in my direction too. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Jody and Greg, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Hopefully, we can have you on again at some point, Greg. It was really wonderful to talk to you today. Absolutely. This is a blast, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Cool. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you Managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.